So listen to this. I found myself this week doing something that was a big part of my life a year ago, a year and a half ago, which is that I was driving to a meeting at another place that was an hour, hour and a half away. And as I was leaving Murfreesboro, headed south to Pulaski for a meeting, I, I, I hit this place that is, uh, I would tell you, is one of my favorite things. The, the day was beautiful. I was able to roll the windows down. I was able to put my arm out the window. The sun was shining. My sunglasses were on. And I turned some music on. And I just kind of let go for a little bit. And, and the songs that were playing through my phone to my truck was just, they were just going and I was singing and I was just having a great time. And I didn't even care at the red lights that people were looking and staring and laughing. But I found myself going down and there was a moment when this song hit. And it says, Lord, I hope this day is good. I'm feeling empty and misunderstood. I know I should be thankful, Lord, I know I should. But Lord, I hope this day is good. It was a song by one of my absolute favorite artists. His name is Don Williams. I'm a country kid who loves old country music. This moment when this happened and this hit, I, I began to sing. And then it moved from singing just to kind of check out into a place that I was just completely free of the world that was around me. That, does that ever happen to you sometimes? Maybe when you're singing, maybe when you're working in a hobby, maybe in a moment in your prayer life, maybe in a moment where something hits. Last week, Trey, in his sermon, offered this kind of thing that I've been chewing on and the thing that kind of hit me when I was listening to Don Williams this week was that that God has these greatest hits. And what Trey was talking about is the great commission and the, and the great commandment. These are God's greatest hits. But it definitely made me think about the greatest hits of musicians and the greatest hits that I enjoy and to celebrate. I'm a, I, I have no musical talent, but I'm a music guy. And so I, I'm curious this morning, um, what is the greatest, greatest hits album for you? Maybe you have a particular artist or band what is the greatest, greatest hits album for you? Now, there's this thing that we do in campus ministry is that during worship, we talk and we get to engage things a little bit. So whether if you're online, feel free to put this in the comment section. But for those of us here, see if you can turn, stay in your COVID areas, but can you turn to people around you and offer what is your greatest, greatest hits album? Who do you think has the greatest, greatest hits album? Go. awesome. So I, I hope everybody maybe had a chance to be able to share a little bit and, uh, and Beverly was able to share hers to me a little bit. Um, I'll go ahead and tell you, yeah, Don Williams, like greatest hits. 
uh, Tulsa Time, I, I Believe in Love, these are great ones. I put Johnny Cash, Greatest Hits, repeat in my truck all the time. I also love Queen. If you just need to, like, get going, Queen, you said ABBA, which is great. But, like, for me, like, I can put on Queen and just really be able to go. And then there's also Johnny Swim, a little bit newer band that's one of mine and Ella's favorites. And, and that's the thing about having, I don't know if anybody else knows the, the music app Spotify, but Spotify is, uh, is just a huge piece of my life. And with Spotify, it's basically you can have music from every single genre, every single artist, and it's kind of like just you get to live in the greatest hits of all the time. You can make playlists of greatest hits for different moods and different feelings. I make so many playlists based on very, very specific moods or feelings that I am in. And I couldn't help when I was thinking through my Spotify playlist this week, that how often do we treat Scripture that way? That Scripture becomes... We approach Scripture in the same way, like it's a collection of greatest hits. That pieces of Scripture that we go to when we have different moods, when we lament, when we're sorrowful, when we're joyful, when we need encouragement, when we need strength, when we need prayer, we go to Scripture in these different times to do different things. Now, it's great to know that Scripture has such incredible clarity and poignancy, but I also want to remind you that it is important to see scripture in the whole body of work the to see the full movement and direction of god to see the incredible messy moments and to also see the redemption that can come from it and that scripture is a place where god is revealed and is still revealing god's self to us the old and the new testaments are are kind of like the greatest hits albums in a way and here we kind of turn today to the older album, the, the Old Testament. And there's a greatest hits that Beverly's going to read for us and be able to lift up. There's a greatest hits that may get called out more than even Freebird. There is a greatest hits that comes to us from Exodus, and it's going to be the Ten Commandments. So Beverly, will you lead us today? Hear the word of the Lord. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and the fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God you shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. 
you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or your male or female slave, or ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When all the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, they were afraid and trembled and stood at a distance and said to Moses, you speak to us and we listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid for God has come only to test you and to put the fear of him upon you so that you do not sin. Then the people stood at a distance while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Thank you, Beverly. Beverly is one of our students, about to graduate, and um, was our president at Wesley, and so we're thankful this morning that you're with us and leading. So very thankful. So this, this piece of scripture is the greatest hits, right? Like, I'm sure most of you have known or been aware of the Ten Commandments. You've seen them painted. You've seen them posted. They are part of the rich history of Charlton Heston and the Ten Commandments and Moses there are all kinds of ways that you probably are aware of these greatest hits. Now, I think it's important always with Scripture is that you recognize what goes before it and what comes after it so that we can put Scripture in context because context, I mean, Scripture without context is a pretext for you just meaning whatever you want it to mean. So what happens before um, the Ten Commandments is that you have these liberated people called the Hebrews that were liberated by signs and by wonders and you see them then leaving Egypt and the people traveling to Mount Sinai, this holy space kind of set apart as they're journeying to where God is going to take them to the promised land. And there, just before the Ten Commandments, these people that through God are consecrated and say that you are a sacred and holy people that are here to be my blessing on all of creation. The, Moses goes up on the mountain, receives the Ten Commandments, and then kind of what comes after this in the Scripture are a bunch of laws about about how the altar is supposed to be taking place, and then laws about slavery and laws about much, much more. I, this is where I have to stop and say, listen to this. Now, you're going to hear me say that phrase a few times because growing up, one of my musical influ influences was my brother, my older brother, because that's where we all first get to learn cool music, right? It's usually from an older sibling. My brother, anytime we were riding down the road and he wanted me to really hear a piece of music, he would always hit me in the arm because he would be driving. He'd hit me in the arm and he'd say, listen to this. So I want you to listen to this. The Ten Commandments was a covenant that reflected a, 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 a setting of developmentally appropriate expectations between God and the Hebrews. That was a big sentence. Let's talk about it. That essentially the Ten Commandments is helping to create this new expectation of how life would be appropriate to the developmental stage of these people. These Hebrews had left as slaves from Egypt who had spent generations not fully understanding and knowing who God is. And like a parent with a young child, God sets these Ten Commandments before them. And then what God is hoping for is a relationship that builds with maturity and collective understanding, just like a new child grows. The, the, the ways we speak and work with our children when they're little bitty changes as they get older and older. 
because they go from needing these strict laws and sets of rules and principles to keep them safe to then understanding why and then under having the motivation to do it well themselves. The law made a covenant and it brought order out of the chaos of these people's lives. And it offered a vision, but the vision wasn't made in full. We we see that fullness that comes in Christ later. It was a set of rules that led to a deeper principle. It was laws that were meant to change people's hearts, and we see the fullness in Christ. And we even see how Jesus ties in to the law when he says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. These Hebrews might have not been able to fully capture and understand God's vision in the great commandment without the foundational work that came from the Ten Commandments. And the Ten are still vital for us today. We in Christ have a deepened, explored, and expanded relationship, but the Ten help us in our own lives very much. You see, we have not known slavery, but I would argue that there are ways that we have been slaves. We have not clearly worshipped other gods, but I believe we have idols. We have not literally and firsthand murdered, but we've often done so in our hearts. We might have not coveted our neighbor's livestock recently, but maybe we've coveted their lives. These are not a set of nostalgic, antiquated weapons to point at others, but instead it's an opportunity to Look at these pointed at ourselves. So listen to this. This is a a way to frame the Ten Commandments. Listen to this. The first sets that talk about God ask us to stay aware and to remember. Stay aware that God is active and moving in our lives and to remember all the things that God has done. God begins to say, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt with you so easy in the hardships of our lives and the frantic pace of our lives to remember all that God has done and to see all that God is doing and to have trust in all the things that God will do stay aware and remember then we have this moment of reminder of of have Sabbath and rest and I'm going to talk much more about that in a second But then the last ones are all about fixing our hearts, our eyes, our hands, and our souls, fixing all of who we are upon how to love and to be in relationship with our neighbor. We have the declaration of God. We have the call to rest in Sabbath. And we have the declaration of fixing our lives on loving our neighbors. But listen to this. Sabbath is a crucial bridge. This this commandment is a crucial bridge. It connects the pieces between God in the first part of the Ten Commandments and our neighbor in the other. It is the longest set of words that are given at this moment on Mount Sinai. God spends more airtime and has a longer post about the Sabbath commandment than all of the rest. And I believe this is very helpful for them in that day. We're talking about slaves had only ever been treated as instruments. 
slaves who were seen as a commodity, people who were only cared for by what they could produce and not who they are. These slaves didn't know days of the week. And as God leads them into Egypt, God says, look, there are six days. And on the seventh, you will rest. God even brings them back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2. In the very beginning, God created all things, saw that it was good, and that God ceased and rested. And now these people move from being people of commodity to people of covenant whose worth is about who they are and not what they do. Sabbath was hard, and it is hard today. It's hard to stop and know that God is at work even when we're not. It is hard because we are drawn to honestly be the gods of our own lives. We think that sometimes we can only count on what we can do. We celebrate weary busyness. For years and years when someone would say, how are you? My response always is, well, I'm busy. As though that is what I should be aiming to be. Doesn't mean that we do not work. Doesn't mean that we do not work, work, and work well. But it does mean we need to stop and to rest. We even fall into the trap of being busy for Christ than being with Christ. I'm going to say that again because we church people are really good at this. We get caught up in being busy for Christ instead of being just with Christ. So listen to this. Our inability to rest reveals where our trust lies. Our inability to rest says that I'm only going to trust in myself I'm only going to trust in what I know, and it does not put trust in the God that neither slumber nor sleeps, the God that is always at work. And I'm going to tell you, I'm incredibly thankful that that Trey, our pastor, and my incredibly good friend is modeling something in these two weeks that he takes Sabbath. I'll tell you, I am not good at this. This is a good moment where I am preaching something that I'm asking for you to help me practice too. I am not good at this. But Sabbath is vital as we try to proclaim and live into the greatest commandment. You can almost hear in Jesus in Matthew 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. You can almost hear the the breath, the pause, but to love your neighbor as yourself. In order for us to do those things well, we have to be able to Sabbath. And there's so many signs of when you're not Sabbathing well, and I'm going to guess you know the signs in your own life when you're not Sabbathing well. I guess if you are like my wife, she knows when I'm not Sabbathing in the way that I should be. There are so many signs we're not doing well, but one of the things that's so tricky is that sometimes with Sabbath, it's not necessarily that you're weary or you're tired, but you're also not being your best. You are not offering and being the full image of what God is trying to create. And the truth is, God is waiting for us 
and running to us and asking us to stop so that we may be with God in a greater way. There are so many great practices, and honestly, we could spend a long time working on this. But I'll tell you that there are lots of great answers to, well, what is Sabbath? And feel free to contact me this week and let's talk about it. But I will tell you that Sabbath is public and it's private. I will tell you that Sabbath is communal and personal. I will tell you that Sabbath is resistance to a culture of now and a culture of coveting and a culture of weariness. This last year, the lines between work and Sabbath, rest and labor have been made more and more blurry. Because for so many, our offices are now in our homes. Our homes are our offices. And we are now blurring the lines between when we should be working. And the truth is, we also live times a lot like the lawyer who addresses Jesus. What must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And AKA, what's the least I can do to be okay? Sabbath is not about doing your least, but it's about offering your best. So listen to this. Stop. Cease. Rest. Do what puts you at the feet of Jesus. Do what makes the Spirit sing in your soul. And do this before you have to do it. Do it as an offering before it's a thing you have to do because you're crashing. What makes, what makes the Spirit sing in your soul? What is it? What makes the Spirit sing in your soul? I always pray that worship and our time together always will be that thing. But what are the things that make the Spirit sing in your soul? I gave you a good moment in my truck this week with music, but let me also give you a, a very hard one. I was picking my kids up after school one day, and I had 16,000 things going on. My brain was working in so many different directions, and, and my brain doesn't have many directions to be able to work in at once. And I, I, I was frustrated, and I was tired, and I was, my boys were back of the truck, you know, just being boys that got out of school, they're talking, they're enjoying their life, they're enjoying their time, and they're saying a lot of things. And I found myself just like, they were, like, you know, both boys saying stuff, I'm thinking of things, and I just, I just got to this place that I was just like, the blood pressure hit, they weren't even doing anything wrong, but I was just so anxious and weary and tired. I just said, guys, I need a minute. Will y'all please be quiet? For one minute, there was just quietness except for the radio on the truck. And the song that was playing on the radio was, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. And out of the quietness, out of the quietness of my weariness, I can hear my eight-year-old son begin to sing. And when he started singing, there was this beautiful moment of Sabbath, of rest. And there was honestly this huge confession 
first to my kids to say, guys, I'm sorry for being a little loud there. Y'all are doing everything that you're supposed to. And then there's a confession to God to say, Lord, I need you. I confess. Without you, there is no rest. How are you Sabbathing in your week? Listen to this. God is still making music if we stop to hear it. And God makes that in eight-year-olds. And God makes that in the birds of the air, the flowers of the field, the stars in the sky. God is making music all around us to help our spirits sing. If we can only stop. Let's Sabbath a little bit better. Will you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, I thank you for the many ways that you've been at work. I am so incredibly thankful that you have placed a model in our lives that we should stop we should cease, and that we will have Sabbath. Lord, this week, may we explore the many ways that we communally and personally can have rest and Sabbath with you. Lord, challenge us to fix our eyes upon you. Challenge us to be able to recognize the ways that we can rest, and you will still be at work. Lord, put, help us to put all of our trust in the ways that you are moving and working. And forgive us, O oh God, for when we think that the universe will only move because of our work. Lord, renew our souls and to let us rise as rested people ready to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's in Christ's holy name we pray.